The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. That's one of my favorite songs. They know that, that I do. I don't know that it's their favorite. But what I like about it is the, the words. And one of the favorite parts of that song to me in those words is this, I don't need to be heard, but God's words speak. That's, that's, the, that's my desire that uh, I, I'm the last person that needs to be heard today, and I, I think our, our Sunday school teachers feel the same way, that uh, the last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear God's Word spoken and, and for God's Word to speak to each of us. And I hope when we gather on Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesdays that truly the Word of God is what speaks. And last week as we... Uh, kind of started a, a little bit, a little, not really a series, but a couple of sermons on, uh, on Christmas. We talked about the very first Christmas ornament, and uh, this morning we talked about the, the Christmas star, the treetopper, and I told you all that, uh, I said, go to Walmart or go wherever, you can't hardly find any stars. Uh, since then, I've had them, uh, I've had pictures sent, well, I found this and I found this, and we went to... Uh, we were at Walmart yesterday buying some stuff, and uh, I went down this aisle, and there were stars everywhere down through there. I mean, they were on both sides and stacked up, and uh, I told Denise, I said, look at all these stars. So, so it was a conspiracy of Satan, I think, last week is why I couldn't find a star anywhere, because they're everywhere uh, in, uh, if you go to the right place. And uh, so we were buying some groceries, and I said, I'm going to the Christmas section, and we went all the way to the other side of the store, and sure enough, there's a whole aisle of stars. But uh, as you look at that star, and as you see this star this morning, and uh, if you have a star around your home somewhere, I have a star on my tie this morning, and uh, I've been told I look like Santa Claus and an elf. So I've been on both ends of the spectrum this morning. Uh, I don't know if uh, those are compliments or not, but uh, so... Uh, wherever I fall in there, I've got a star here. And hopefully when you see that star, you'll recall some of the implications we talked about last week, that first ornament that represents God's glory, that, that shining of God and, and uh, how God led folks with a star was uh, the, our second thing we talked about. And we say a star, I hope you'll think about God's guidance. And then uh, lastly, that you'll talk, think about God's gift that he gave us in his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about some more symbols of Christmas, and with that, uh, I'm going to talk about the symbols on a Christmas tree, and I have a Christmas tree on this morning and uh, on my tie, so on a Christmas tree, I brought y'all the most beautiful ornament last week. I had to hide it. I know somebody wanted to steal it. Uh, JC said it wasn't her favorite, but I think she was lying. Uh, but I didn't bring it back this morning, but I did bring some more ornaments, and we're going to talk about different ornaments, and I don't know what you place on your Christmas tree, but whatever you place, I hope they have some type of, uh, of significance for you and, and for this season, this uh, Christmas season. And so there's five things I want to talk about this morning, and we're going to move pretty quick through these, and we'll have some scriptures to go with those. I really don't have a certain scripture for you to turn to, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 2, and Matthew chapter 1. And those uh, passages are all about Christ's uh, birth and about the wise men, about the shepherds, about the kings, and 
Uh, so we're going to be kind of back and forth in a couple of other scriptures too, but uh, the first uh, symbol of Christmas and hopefully around your Christmas tree, and maybe you have some of these on your Christmas tree, is an angel. So I, I brought an angel that, uh, that we got this and J.C. got this at, uh, back in 1995, and uh, she's getting really old, folks, and this came from the church we were at then. So I don't have a Christmas tree, so I'm going to kind of hang these around on our, our star this morning. And uh, maybe you have some angels around your house. Maybe you have an angel on your Christmas tree. But I want us to think about what angels represent. And this year, as you uh, look at your Christmas tree, as you see Christmas trees, as you uh, go to people's houses that's decorated, and maybe they have angels around their house, uh, what can we know about angels when they appear? And what, what do we think about, about angels when they appear? And, and here's some things we can know. The first thing is this. Uh, when we see an angel, we can know God is working. So think about this. God is working. He, he's sending messengers in the Bible, and we're going to look at some scriptures here that talk about God and how he uses angels and how they are agents. They're workers for God. So as we this year see angels maybe around the Christmas tree, maybe some folks just have some decorations of angels around their house. When you see those, just be reminded of this. God is always working. And that angel represents that they're, they're messengers of God. Hebrews 1.14 says this, Are they not ministering spirits. And who he's talking about, he's talking about angels. Are angels not ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be his heirs of salvation? Now the NIV says this, are not all angels ministering spirits sent out to serve those who will inherit salvation? So we have scripture here that says, hey, are they, is that not what angels are? So this year, as you see an angel, remember this, those are messengers of God, and God is always working. And, and at the first Christmas, angels are singing. They, they're bringing forth a message about Jesus. They're, they're bringing forth joy. And the Christmas angels, they were beautiful in their appearance, but, but some people were scared of them when they saw them. When they saw those angels, uh, uh, Zach, uh, Zacharias, he, it says he was afraid. The shepherds feared and trembled, and, and the angels greeted people. They greeted those people was the words fear not the angel when he appeared to to Zacharias in Luke 1 13 they they brought an announcement remember they're messengers of God's word they brought an announcement that his wife would give birth to a son that that she was too old to have children but the the angel said look you're going to give you're going to give birth to a son and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus they were messengers of God the the angel announced to Mary that she she would supernaturally conceive a child that's in Luke chapter 1 verse 31 and and also verses 34 and 35 in Luke chapter 1 the angels came to Mary she they said uh, uh, fear not we're going to you're going to conceive a child and and uh, you're going to name him you're going to name him Jesus and he's going to come to save the world that was the angels that were sent. An angel came to Joseph and, and said that Mary was with child. And, and Joseph considered some things that, that he could do to protect her. And, and the angel said she's conceived a child of the Holy Spirit. And that it would be okay to go and take Mary as his wife and, and his son would be called Jesus. That's Matthew 1.20. So throughout scripture, we see the angels bringing forth God's message. 
And I hope when you look at an angel this year, you'll think about that message of God and remember that God is always working. What, what should we think when we see an angel on a Christmas tree or an angel's on some kind of Christ, uh, Christmas decorations? Think of this. Think about angels. They're the messengers of salvation as we think about angels. Here's the second thing. We have shepherds. These, uh, we have some shepherds here and and here's a, here's a shepherd, and, and it's an ornament that goes on a tree. And, and this ornament actually came from Bethlehem. If I mess this up, you let me know. And it's, it's, made, of, uh, it's made of olive olive wood from Bethlehem. So that's special, isn't it? So uh, anyway, I'm going to hang this shepherd uh, here on this star. And we have those a lot of times in nativity scenes. I don't know if you'll have one on your Christmas tree or not. But, but when you think about shepherds, what do you think about? In, over Luke, in Luke chapter 2, 16 and 17, when you, when you hear the word shepherds, what do you think about? Well, this time of year, of course, we think about Christmas. We think about the shepherds around Christmas. But, but when you think about shepherds this year, I hope you'll think about witnessing they were witnesses of Christ. Now, shepherds, you may think about, their, their, to me, shepherds are somebody that's kind of calm. They're kind of laid back. They're, they're somebody that just does their job. They watch sheep. They're, they're somebody that's faithful. You know, shepherds were just, they were out in the desert area, or they were out in the wilderness, and, and there was really, a lot of times, no one around but them. But they were just doing their job. They're watching sheep. They're, they're calm and in rough situations. They don't panic. They're faithful. So, so why were the shepherds the first uh, that God went to? Why did he go to shepherds first? And we don't know all the answers to those. Why not shopkeepers or politicians or soldiers or priests or, or someone uh, along those lines? And, and there's some things we learn from shepherds. There's a, there's a book, and I, I, I forgot to write the... the, the the author's name down, I can give it to you, but it's called The Way of the Shepherd, and it's a book about a, 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 a young man that went to college. It's, a, it's, it's not a, a Christian book. It's, it's more of a leadership-type book, but he went to college, and, and uh, he was going through business, and he had a job opportunity, and he went to one of his professors, and he said, you know, I'm fixing to graduate, and I, I'm fixing to have this job. I've already been offered this job, and it's about leading people, and and even though I have this college degree, I don't know anything about leading people. And, and can you give me some advice? And the professor said, here, I'll give you some advice, but here's what I want you to do. I'm a shepherd. I have sheep at home, so I want to hire you this last semester. And in hiring you, I want to teach you the way of the shepherd. That's the name of the book, The Way of the Shepherd. And, and there's about seven chapters in this book, and, and it's seven steps of leadership. And, and each of those steps of leadership, it talks about what a shepherd has. And he has patience, and he has gentleness, and he has long-suffering, and he has self-control, and, and he has goodness. And, and in each of those lessons, as this guy, it's kind of funny, he, he said, man, he just works me to death. He, he just worked me and worked me and worked me as a shepherd. But he said during those times, he was really showing me this is what a, a leader is. And when we look at the shepherds, we see that there was someone who, who was patient. They were gentle. They were long-suffering. They had self-control. They were, they were good people. Now, for the people around them, they were the outcasts. They were unclean. They were, they were nasty old people out in the field. You know, but, and Christ chose to appear to them. So some of God's greatest leaders, thinking about this, were shepherds, weren't they? 
You remember David, King David, a man after God's own heart. What was he? He was a shepherd. You remember Moses, Moses that, that was there and he delivered God's people from Israel, he, from, from captivity. He was a shepherd. Jacob, we, we think about jo- Jacob in Scripture and, and Jacob was a shepherd. Some of God's greatest leaders were shepherds and they were witnesses and, and shepherds were faithful. We already talked about that. They were, they were probably the only ones even up working that late at night and that evening. Everyone else had probably gone to bed and, and they were working faithfully. And I think God recognized that, that the shepherds would be faithful in their work. Remember what I said we would look at as we look at shepherds, think about their, their witnessing. And God needed a faithful witness, and He used shepherds. God also needed, shep- needed shepherds because they were responsive. Now, they were at their job, and the angel appeared to them, and they, he said, Fear not, and, and I'm bringing you good news, and, and there's a Savior born, and, and He's going to be in Bethlehem, and you'll find Him there in this stable. And, and listen to this. Immediately, what did the shepherds do? They said, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see what this, this angel talked about. They didn't study about it. They didn't pray about it. You know, we do that sometimes. Well, let me just pray about this and, and see what God wants me to do. Well, they knew what God wanted them to do because, remember, they had an angel sent. And they was a messenger of God. And that messenger of God said, hey, we're bringing you good tidings of great joy. And there's a Savior born. And they said, hey, let's form a committee and talk about what we need to do. No, they said, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what they're having. And so they were responsive as Jesus comes and as we are witnesses of what Christ is doing, we need to be responsive to his message. And then lastly, they were, they were responsible. They were responsible. They, they came to Bethlehem and, and they were messengers and they had felt a responsibility. The Bible says they left and they began to tell everyone what they had seen. So as they were there, as they were responsive and as they were responsible, they took God's message and they began to spread the gospel, the good news. So what do you think about when you see shepherds on a Christmas tree? Think about the shepherds who are faithful witnesses. When we look at those shepherds and when Christ came the first time, he found some shepherds who were faithful. And I want us to think about ourselves when Christ comes the second time. Will he find us being faithful shepherds? I hope this Christmas season, as you look and as you see shepherds around the manger or you see shepherds on the Christmas tree, you'll think about that witness that we are in Christ and that we'll be faithful. Here's the third thing is is to love and honor. Now, I could have brought a gift, but this was a gift. Uh, Let's see, Chrissy's not back there, is she? Chrissy made this. And it's for J.C. Vaughn, but she put a B on the back of it for some reason, which would be Ballard if you didn't know that. But uh, it was a gift. It was a gift for her, and it says, let heaven and nature sing. So we're going to hang our gift somewhere on this. They may fall in a minute. Don't panic if they do. It's okay. Now, I brought a different gift. I brought a cross. So J.C. shot this down, but she don't know anything. So uh, we're going to put this cross up here. If I don't break my light bulb, y'all bear with me. All right. So there's a lot of different gifts. So I know when we think about Christmas, a lot of times we think about gifts, and that's really a, uh, something we enjoy receiving and giving and being a part of gifts. So, so what, about, what do you think about when you, when you receive a gift? 
usually think probably something good or some type of anticipation, maybe love or some kind of relationship, uh, appreciation. Uh, we, we, we often just say thank you so much, you know, whether we, whether we mean it or not. Oh, I just love this gift, you know. And we, we have a tradition. I've told you all before. We, we open one gift at a time, one at a time. So you're in our group there, and we're all sitting around, and, and uh, it's your turn. Daddy chooses who gets to start, you know, and he starts with the oldest or the youngest, and, and uh, then he, they look and say, well, this is what I think it is, and then you open it. Well, you got to be excited, don't you? You can't go, oh, great, you know. So you just uh, you, you have it, and you say, oh, thank you. Thank you. I would have never bought this for myself, you know, and then this is just what I wanted. And so uh, that, that's kind of what we have. We, we have gifts and, and Christ gave us some wonderful gifts as he came. And, and I heard about an employer that stopped giving Christmas gifts and stopped giving Christmas bonuses because employees were complaining and ungrateful. And all the gifts that they got, the workers didn't understand gifts. And, and Dr. Towns, this is what he says over, over these gifts. He says, gratitude is the least remembered of all virtues, and it's the acid test of a real character. That's what gratitude is. And, and we think about gifts maybe around the Christmas season. We think about wise men. We think about those who came, who came bearing gifts. I even have a, I even have a, a king isn't this great? Made that in vacation Bible school one time. Y'all can come look at it. Some of you young girls don't know what it is. It's a clothespin, and it's got two little, uh, huh? That is an old clothespin. An old clothespin. It's older than I am, Neil. Uh, it has two little uh, uh, Q-tips for arms. Y'all can come examine that. So uh, we're going to put that on there. So what did they come? They came bearing gifts, didn't they? They came, they pray, they came bringing gifts, and, and they came with gratitude. And the Bible says in Matthew 2.11, They presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when we think about gifts and we see gifts on the tree, think about that means honor and that means love. That's what the, that's what the, the, the wise men brought. They, they brought a gift to honor, and they brought a gift to bring love to Christ. And when we think about gifts and we see gifts, think about not just receiving and getting and, and what the gift is, but think about the real, what they really represent around Christmas. They represent love, and they represent bringing honor, and they represent giving the best to Christ. That's what the wise men and the, 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 those who came and brought gifts. Then we have a manger have a manger here, and this, this is going to serve as our manger again from Bethlehem, and uh, we're going to run out of room on our tree up here, but that's okay. So what do we think about when we think about a manger? Uh, when we really think about a baby being born, and we think about, we know the Christmas story, but, but what an unlikely place for someone to be born, as we think about a manger. So, so when you think about a manger, do you think about a stable? Do you think about 
uh, do you think about uh, animals or do you think about no room in the end or no nice place, no good bedroom, no hospital room? You may think about humility. You may think about a lot of different things. When you go beyond just the surface of a manger and you think about a manger, but a manger is an unlikely place to, to lie a newborn baby. We have babies now, and it's, it's just amazing to me. I was sitting, and I was just thinking about growing up and some of the things we did growing up, you know, as kids and, and no bicycle helmets and climbing trees and, and knives and playing with stuff. And, you know, we, it was so much, so much different than it is now. And, and uh, it was all about, ta- it's all about safety. It's all about, uh, uh, well, get them to the hospital, get them this clean. And I'm not suggesting you go have a baby in the barn anywhere. But, but what I'm saying is things have changed so much. But how unlikely even today to think about a baby being born in a stable and being born in a manger. And, and I'm, I'm headed somewhere with this. Because I, I just want you to really concentrate on this. When you see a, a manger, how unlikely is that a place for God himself to be? A, a filthy, nasty stable. Now, you may have a stable, and you may love your barn. You may, but, but I'm talking about a newborn baby, and I'm talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and how he came, and he was, he was placed in a manger in a stable. What an unlikely place. No place that, that is worthy for Jesus Christ to come as you see that manger. Not the finest hospital or not, not the finest inn, but really there's not a place that would be worthy for Christ, is there? And as you look at that manger, I want you to think about this. Where is Christ coming today? A most unlikely place He desires. He desires to live within our heart. That's where Christ desires to live. How unlikely is that, that that the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the creator of the universe wants to come and to live within your heart? And the Bible says in John 1.12, But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. And that's where God wants to come. He wants to come and he wants to live within your heart. He wants to be born again. He wants you to be born into his family. And, and he wants to be born into your heart. And he wants to live within your heart. And beyond your heart, he wants to come to in your home. And he wants to live within your home. And, and beyond your home, he wants to come into your problem. And he wants to come into your sin habit and he wants to abide there and live there and and how unlikely is that i've heard people say this well i'll i'll come to christ when i get these things straightened out the problem with that is we can't get them straightened out without christ and christ says that we come to him just like we are and then he'll worry about doing the changing he'll begin to show us those areas and and christ wants to come into us what an unlikely place For the Lord of lords and the King of kings want to live, but He wants to live within us. So when we see that manger on the Christmas tree, if we see that manger in the nativity scene, I hope this year you'll think about how unlikely a place for a king to live. And then beyond that, as you think about that, you'd think about where He wants to live. How unlikely is it that God would want to live within me? But that's his desire for us. Here's the fifth thing, the, the, the sinless birth of God. And, and we have a, a, a lady named Mary, and this is Mary Ann Joseph, and this is my last ornament, and we'll place that here also. 
And as you look at Mount Mary, if you look at a nativity scene or you're looking at a Christmas tree this morning, I want you to think about the Virgin Mary, the, the sinless Son of God. And, and this morning, what do you think about when you hear that word virgin? You may think about honored or pure or simple or, or maybe a hard role to play or, or maybe someone, someone who is holy. Uh, 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 in Seattle, there was children at school and they were asked, what is a virgin? And, and a girl answered, a, a, woman who, a girl who's never had a baby. And, and that's not really right. The, the angel said, or Mary asked the angel, how should this be? How can this be that, that I'm going to give birth to a child because I've never known a man? And, and a virgin is a girl who holds herself pure for a particular man, a, a man that she's going to marry. And, and why does this matter? You know, today in our country and even some of our churches, they say that's not that important. But when, when, you, when you look this year and you see Mary there, and think about that virgin birth, that, that eternal Son of God became flesh. It says in John 1.14, the Word of God became flesh. He tabernacled. He came among us and we beheld His glory and the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. What do you think about when you see a virgin in the nativity scene? Think about the, the interest of a sinless God into this world. Now, here's the key, and why would I bring this up? Because the key is that sinless Son of God. That, that He had no sin. He did no sin. There was no sin within Him. He wasn't born with a sinful nature. I've talked about this before. The, the Father... The father of a child, your blood is in your child, but your wife's blood's not. Did y'all know that? That's true. That, that the father's blood is, is what's in the child. So, so if, if Mary had been born, <coughs> if Jesus had been born a natural birth, he would have a sinful nature inherited from his father. Who's his father? His father's God. Who, who's no sin. So in Christ, he's sinless in that he has no sinful nature because he's not born in a natural way. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit of God. And we think about Mary and we think about that virgin birth, we realize that only through a virgin birth can Christ become our sacrifice. It says in Revelation that God searched throughout heaven and he found one perfect lamb. And that was the Lamb of God. That was Jesus Christ to become our payment for sin. And I hope as you think about the cross, and that's why I put that as a gift, is the cross of Calvary. And you think about the virgin birth, realizing that Jesus Christ came. He became our sinless sacrifice. He became the only one who could pay the price for our sin. He became that perfect Lamb of God. I hope as you see that this year on a Christmas tree or a nativity scene, you'll think about the sinlessness of Jesus Christ in that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says this, that we are covered with the blood of Jesus. You know what that means? That means when God looks down upon us and we're born-again Christians, we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, He doesn't see our sins. He sees the blood of Jesus who knew no sin. And through the blood of Jesus who knew no sin, he looks at Jake and he says, you know what? He's perfect. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. He made each of us 
perfect through the blood of Jesus. And that's through the virgin birth that he experienced at Christmas. So as we look around and we'll review and we'll be finished up here, we see uh, these Christmas symbols, what they mean to us. We see the star, that's God's glory, God's guidance, God's gift. We see the the king, the wise men who who still seek after him, that's a wise man. (coughs) We see the angels that give out the message of Christmas. We see shepherds who were faithful witnesses. We see gifts that speak of honor and love and value of perfectness. And we see the manger, an unlikely place for a Savior. And then we see the virgin, the entrance of sinless God into this world. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning and just ask you this question. Have you really ever accepted Jesus Christ? As we look at this Christmas tree and we look at the things around Christmas time and we see God's glory shining through his star. We see his guidance for us. We see those wise men who came who brought their best to give to the Father, to give to the newborn king. We see the angels who come and give out those messages of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. We see shepherds who received the word and became faithful witnesses. We see gifts that speak of honor and speak of love. We think about the manger, an unlikely place for a Savior. Then we see our own sinfulness and say, how unlikely is it that God would live within me? And then we realize through his birth, he is the only one that can pay that price. That perfect lamb of God. Have you accepted that gift of Christmas? You know, a gift's only a gift when we receive it. It can be wrapped and laid in an attic somewhere for 10 years, and it meant to be a gift, but we never gave it to anyone. But that day we get it and say, I bought this for you, this is for you, and somebody receives it and somebody opens it. At that time, it becomes a gift. Have you taken that gift that Jesus Christ offered? That's when we receive that hope of glory. That's when we receive what we talked about, that he, He's always beside us, that we sang about earlier, that He never leaves our side, and, and that we fix our eyes upon Him, and, and He's there in the mountain, and He's there in the valley, and, and he's all, that's where we receive that gift, the gift of God and the gift of His Holy Spirit. There's no better gift that you could give your family this year than give them the assurance of of eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's for each of you. It's not something you can have someone else do. That's for each of us. A a great gift for your family, a great example for your children, a great witness for your siblings and for your friends. If you've never accepted Christ, we're going to have a short invitation. We're going to sing one verse here in just a moment. Would you receive that gift that God offers As we look at the Christmas tree, as we see these symbols of Christmas, would you take hold of that gift? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. I pray, Father, as we just continue in the spirit of prayer this morning, that you would have your own way in our life. Lord, as we think about Christmas, as we see the symbols of Christmas and the Christmas tree and Christmas decorations, Lord, it would bring us to that thought of what we really are about during this time of Christmas. And Lord, we would take hold of that precious...
in our lives, in our hearts today. In Jesus' name.